like a fetish club for your ears. Grab a hot drink and turn down the lights. Coming across the airwaves and into bedrooms everywhere, BDSM United is bringing you non-violent, consensual kink education. This isn't for the kiddos or for the cookie-cutter conservative vanilla prudes. We'll be talking bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, and more today on this BDSM United podcast. Primal Piggy here with another BDSM United podcast. What level of intensity is your power exchange? And how does your dynamic deal with change? Because the more they learn and grow, people often change. The more we learn and grow, we often are on a journey of change. Here is something that describes both different intensity levels of power exchange and how each person deals with change. So let's see what level of intensity your power exchange is. First is only in scene. The couple is generally egalitarian and only occasionally play at a power dynamic during kinky scenes. They negotiate as equals outside of a scene about sexual contact with others. Typically, this is role-playing. Typically, you're not really in a power exchange relationship. Uh, You're in a top and bottom scene, uh, or you have top and bottom scenes where you role-play master-slave or dominant-sub. Nothing wrong with this. That's just what it is. When you're only in the scene, it's typically not... Uh, your relationship typically isn't based on power exchange. Uh, it's just you do that within the bedroom or within scenes. Um, part of my time is owned is the second part. The submissive type is part-time, and the dominant only has authority over limited and specific parts of their life. And monogamy or polyamory is not one of them, typically. They must negotiate as equals in this area. So this is a typical uh, DS or DDLG type of dynamic here, where the submissive type is part-time. In other words, uh, they're they're in a dynamic... uh, when they're together, but they're not necessarily acting in in their identity when they're apart. And the dominant only has authority over limited or specific parts of their life. It's not a total power exchange. So this is how the bulk of, I would say, BDSM works. Um, sometimes, though, uh, it would be the, this next type, which I would call all the time, but not everything. And this, in this scenario, the submissive type is full-time, but the dominant still only has authority over limited and specific parts of their life. And again, monogamy or polyamory is not usually one of them, and they must negotiate as equals in that area. In other words, if someone wants to have more than one relationship, typically this isn't uh, 
you know, typically people have autonomy over their relationships and uh, in the scope of how many relationships or having different types of relationships, a dominant wouldn't be dominant over um, that other relationship that the person was in. Typically speaking, the um, uh, they may have uh, the dominant may not be dominant over like their children or their family life or their extended relatives or uh, or that sort of thing or maybe their work or their career. The dominant wouldn't may be able to give input or suggestions or advice, but typically would not make decisions in that area. Uh, this is well. This is probably the bulk here. Uh, where people are consistently within their identities, where they're always uh, the the separating factor here between the last and this one. And sometimes people in their careers and in their everyday life, they don't present as, they're, they're submissive, but they don't present as submissive in those areas. They present um, uh more in charge, more empowered and not and, uh, and in charge. And so um, that's really kind of the scope of, uh, of the bulk there. Uh, the next type I would say is this, my sex life is owned. The S type or submissive type has given over authority in almost all areas of their life, including relationships such as polyamory but the dominant has promised them specific sexual expectations, such as monogamy or that they will have certain rights should polyamory occur. For, the in, for this instance, remaining the primary partner or helping to select new partners, and it's agreed that the submissive type has the right to walk out should the dominant break their word. This is some, um, you know, this is, uh, definitely more of a niche within our uh, within our culture that typically when when people are giving ownership or authority exchange uh, there's typically not a bunch of limits uh, but you know for some this may work it may be that the dominant uh, you know is a more primary partner and uh, and may give them autonomy over certain relationships that they have outside of their um, outside of their relationship. Typically, though, an MS relationship looks like this: uh, everything is owned. There's no recourse. A slave is owned properly, property, sorry, and willingly gives up their right to decide on such issues or enforce such limits. They must depend on the dominant's honor and the promises that they have made. And if those promises are changed, they really have no recourse. And so that's typically an MS, and it's not come, they don't come to that relationship typically uh, right away. They typically experiment with different levels of power exchange with the person first uh, in, in a time of, in a long time of consideration long time of training that's where the, typically where the submissive partner is learning uh, out the master and learning uh, learning the master in other words 
and uh, or the potential master, and so there typically comes with a, um, a high buy-in. In other words, it's a long-term investment. So my advice, though, is to future-proof your contracts and your agreements by revisiting them at regular intervals. There will always be things on the distant horizon that you can't plan for because they may not even exist yet. That way you can process change effectively. And something to consider is like someone in the 80s who came up with a BDSM contract for their relationship wouldn't um, have anything within that contract or anything within the scope of their relationship on how to handle being online or online uh, or internet um, etiquette or internet behavior. The reason is, is because in the 80s, largely speaking, the internet didn't exist. It wasn't on, on very many people's radar. The concept of internet or online wasn't really a thing. And so at some point, they had to add that to their relationship. And so, uh, and possibly add that to contracts or agreements that they had made or uh, just evolve together over time. But it's definitely, the issues will come up that we have to, that we can't plan for, that we have to address. And so, there will be things that don't exist yet that if you enter into a relationship, that will come up down the road the best thing you can do is sit down and talk about them and and come up with a plan together with when uh, when new technologies or um, uh, new philosophies or just um, new uh, new laws or new regulations or new anything when the new whatever it is comes up into your life it's best to um, to uh, make a plan for it to set goals for for it, to uh, address it, to um, come up with uh, rules for it, or come up with how we ex or expectations of behavior uh, for both the dominant and the submissive type in the relationship. So those are just a diff few different ways. We tried to kind of group them together, but power exchange involves people. It can be messy. It can because people are messy, and um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Messy's good. I mean, uh, it, because messy involves emotions and it involves um, uh, feelings and uh, you know, thoughts and beliefs and um, it in behaviors and all kinds of things. In the, you know, when humans are involved, humans are just complicated. And uh, we're not simple creatures. And so as we uh, come together and exchange power in one way or another, whether limited or total, uh, we definitely, you can see that there are a variety of ways to do a power exchange relationship. And, you know, one, each relationship is specific to the people the messy people that are involved, the messy, complicated people that are involved. And so um, learning to uh, deal with change and learning to make room for change is definitely 
something to consider when you're exchanging power and forming relationships. Um, just on a side note or an ending note is that um, age and health and um, just what our body, bodies are capable of doing given our age and, and the types of health concerns and mobility concerns and uh, possible disability concerns and things like that, abilities and disabilities, um, all of those kinds of things will change are inevitable changes because as humans we are aging and uh, we our bodies change from birth puberty and then on beyond into um, into a you know adulthood senior adulthood and just you know as we begin to approach the end of our life there's even changes for then so change is inevitable, and how we process change should be done effectively. I'm Primal Piggy. Thank you for joining me for this BDSM United podcast. Uh, you can find all of our resources at www.bdsmunited.com. It was a joy speaking with you today, and I'll talk with you again soon. Before you go, head on over and visit our friend, Nookie at datingkinky.com. She's been a longtime supporter and friend of whips, chains, and duct tape, and she's built a very inclusive service that is Dating Kinky. Built by kinksters, for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free. But also check out a Plus membership. It gives you access to nine books, three online classes, and over 250 webinar replays. That's nearly 400 hours of kinky education. Plus membership is an amazing deal. You also get access to amazing features like voice and video chat. That's datingkinky.com.